It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother. welcome on and all to another edition of reliving the war fresh off the heels of wrestlemania 14 we are seeing what wcw has to offer because this is the podcast where we do what it says and we relive the monday night wars my name is nims is joined as always by my co-host simon tackler simon we are coming off a hell of a high with wrestlemania 14 and now it's time for wcw to return serve and you'd argue that Uncensored is one of their big tentpole pay-per-views as well. Yeah, I mean, it's no WrestleMania, but if WrestleMania 14 was the first pay-per-view officially of the Attitude Era, Uncensored is all about no rules and rules are for fools. So if any pay-per-view could be a good counter-program, it could be this one. Will it live up to that? Let's find out. Well, you know what? We always uh, get our, our special guest, Owen Jones, our great friend to live the war for the first time. But we gave him a little treat and we uh, we, we we let him watch WrestleMania 14. I, I love how we like, we let him watch WrestleMania 14 like he couldn't watch it without our permission. But uh, Owen, we loved WrestleMania 14. We all thought it was a great pay-per-view. So what did you think going in first off? What did you, what have you heard about Uncensored? Because this is kind of like, I guess the best way would be to sort of say Uncensored is WCW's version of WWE's Extreme Rules paper, where it's meant to be uncensored and everything's, there are no rules. Because remember, rules are for fools. <laughs> Firstly, hey, y'all. Bit of a nod to the great Scott Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, thank you for having me. Um, yes, it was, I was expecting a lot because of the name and then, it was delivered very little. <laughs> there was mm. not much uns. There was not much uncensoring in this pay per view. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, WrestleMania fourteen was such a you know this you know it was I was thankful for for mum and dad Simon and Nims letting me actually stay up and watch it late. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was um, that was a great show to watch. And then you know a bit of a high, and then coming back into WCW land, I just kind of knew I ne- I really needed to lower my expectations, and I'm glad I did because. <laughs> I I got what I what I um I got what I paid for really, but just yeah. quickly as always um I bring it back so you so you know um on the March fifteenth nineteen ninety eight Owen Jones that is me I was two years six months and six days old. Now here's one for you boys, my lovely girlfriend Rosie, she was two days old. <laughs> oh, no. That disgusts me. That's <laughs> <laughs> Do you know like why point- that disgusts me? Because I was roaming that planet for at least a good, like, more than a decade. Because <laughs> I put it on last night and I put, I clicked into it and it was like March fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight, and I turned to her. I'm like, look at the date. Look at the date. This show was on. She looked at me. She was like. <laughs> At least I was born this time. <laughs> yeah, like, you days. know what? To be fair with wrestling, like, I think about this sometimes. 
my history of wrestling, because I would rent all the videotapes from my video store and up to a certain point, because there wasn't pay-per-views every month, there was a limited selection. So for me, the start of my wrestling viewing is 1985. I wasn't even born yet. So there's a bunch <laughs> of pay-per-views that to me are like, I remember that happening. It's like, no, you don't. You weren't even born. You know, Hogan slammed Andre six months before I was born. But to me, that's like, <laughs> oh yeah, one of the first shows I've seen. So yeah, it's all good. Like none no, of I us just... are watching wrestling from the 60s. That's when you're on the next level. I just feel sorry for her that this is her pay-per-view. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. A, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, what's your birthday pay-per-view? This is a terrible one. This is a really bad one to have. So let's get straight into it because we kick off the proceedings. Uh, and, you know, it's not a bad video package to start us off. WCW, uh, I wouldn't say they Well, the game is certainly lifted a little bit, but uh, a couple of things that we do need to mention. This is the first NWO versus NWO match, so it is pretty monumental in that sense. And Uncensored is... This is the, the famous triple uh, electrified cage match pay-per-view. Um, Uncensored is like one of the big... It's got the... You know how Bash of the Beach has the reputation of big things happen at Bash of the Beach? Big things also happen for the bad reasons that Uncensored all of those pay-per-views. And uh, we start off with a great match, though. It's Eddie Guerrero and Chavo with Chavo Guerrero versus Booker T for the TV Championship. Now, the first thing I noticed was Chavo Guerrero really looks like he CBF because he's coming out with Eddie. And I think rather than him actually feeling that, I think that's his character, isn't it, Simon? Because he's reluctantly being dragged around by his Uncle Eddie. Yeah, this is a great wait-and-see moment because we've seen young Chavo prior to this on the show and he's just been a fiery baby face. But here, he has to be Eddie's slave because Eddie beat him in a match. And Chavo goes from, like, dour, boring nephew of Eddie who follows him around and isn't happy about it to nutcase Chavo sooner or later. <laughs> so this is a real fun character turn. But I just want to talk about what he's wearing. Because he's a young man here and he's wearing a short sleeve brown checkered shirt. I just want to say everyone's dad owns one of those I shirts. Was I literally, it was my, my literal note is Chavo looks like he's about to pick the kids up from soccer practice. <laughs> yeah. mm. He's wearing his dad shirt. Because he's got he's got he's got the tan pants and the belt tucked in and the brown dress shoes. Oh, yeah. Not my note, my also, also the fact that he was literally announced as the nephew of Eddie Guerrero mm. makes him even more nerdy. <laughs> my uh, my note for Chavo's attire was Chavo's dressed like Kerwin White long before Kerwin White. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> was this but, uh, an attire in WCW and WO Revenge Nims? <laughs> it wasn't actually. Oh, it was, unfortunately. <laughs> Dad attire. What's crazy, he's only 28 years old here, but yeah, he's dressed oh like God. a 50 year old. I know. <laughs> I'm 27. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you got to start that is, addressing your age, Owen. That's ridiculous. Um, so, but here's, here's the other thing. Booker T gets some mega response. He's over. And w when you have old Southern white people raising the roof, <laughs> you know that you are over it. It's really, really hilarious to see. But uh, Eddie and Booker, then when they were standing in the ring face to face, like you, you have this picture that Eddie Guerrero is a small dude. And him and Booker seem pretty like, Almost eye to eye. I was really shocked at that. Really? I thought Booker was a monster in this. He did a, a rare military press and was just doing some big moves. But it's not like Batista versus Rey Mysterio. Yeah, like I was okay, in my true. head, 
I picture like, you know, like Booker is a huge dude, but Eddie like actually was able to sort of like when Eddie stands next to Taker, he looks dwarfed. Mm. But um, but I thought Eddie sort of uh, matched up inside. Now, oh, so, no, so Eddie's Eddie was one seventy was one hundred seventy three centimeters. Booker is one ninety. Yeah, so I was just I was just shocked that Eddie was that tall. But uh, a pretty decent match to sort of start off with. I yeah. thought the Booker sort of pulled out the cruiserweight style a little bit. Mm. Booker T did a lot of great stuff in this match. Him and Eddie had really good chemistry in this match. Oh, yeah. They're both playing the perfect role. Booker, the fiery baby face, Eddie, the chicken shit heel. They're almost the best at those two things. And to see him here, both on the rise in their careers, going all out in a hot opening match. WCW didn't need the Cruiserweights every month to open a pay-per-view when you've got guys this good. Like they were just doing so many cool things. Although it was weird. Mm. So Tony Schiavone in this match, and this is a classic thing in Booker T matches that make it confusing if you're a WWE or ECW fan and then you watch a Booker T match that Tony Schiavone is calling. He would always call the spine buster a sidewalk slam and a sidewalk slam a side salto. I have no idea why. No. It, it was one of those remarkable things. And, it's, and this is also one of those things, like, I know how, how much everyone loves Tony Schiavone in 2022, but this is why so many people hated him back in that day. Because <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. he, and, and it wasn't other stuff too, like he'd miss, he'd, he'd call like drop kicks, front leg splashes or stuff like that. <laughs> back leg front kicks and all that. It's like, come yeah, on, it, man. It's just absolutely bizarre. But going back to the match, like um, another thing too, so We'll get to the finish of it because Booker wins with one of the most picture-perfect missile drop kicks you'll ever see. When you see... Now, oh, this is where I love how uh, Owen has never sort of seen this sort of era of WCW. When you see how the crowd reacts and how over Booker is, mm. what do you think is next for Booker T? Oh, I mean, well, assuming that when I always ask, is this the push for Booker T? And you guys say no. I'm assuming nothing. <laughs> You would you would be one hundred percent spot on. It's still going to be two years before he gets his push. And he's not okay. a criminal. He has, he has a good mid card run. I mean, putting him back with does he win the US title? Yeah, he does. But he wins it in like ninety nine, doesn't he? Yeah, because he has to deal with Stevie Ray again. Yeah, yeah. let's blame uh, Stevie Ray for all this. Yeah, I, I love that. This is this is the equivalent of WCW basically with Harlem Heat. Um, the alternate time would be like if the WWF backed Marty Jannetty over uh, <laughs> over Shawn Michaels, which sounds very harsh, but yeah. Or um, if Brett broke out from the anvil and then a year later, they're like, no, no, we're putting you guys back together for a while and just kill his momentum, you know? That's probably a better analogy, actually. What, but- I, what I must say, though, is that Mike Tanay agreed with me and said that Booker T was the best wrestler of um, Super Bowl Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, because I also said that because he went 30 minutes and had two absolute barn burner matches to open the card. Back to so back. What 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 needs to happen is Booker T needs to open the show every month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's clearly a good thing. Yeah, you met, Simon mentioned that like, you know, it doesn't always have to be a cruiserweight match. Let's make it Booker T matches to start us yeah. all off. But yeah. uh, what did, we, did what anyone did, what... count how many times Booker T went, oh, to the crowd. Like, <laughs> he's charismatic, but before he really had catchphrases, he would just yell to the crowd. He did it so He would just become times. a walrus, apparently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He didn't really quite get, get the whole thing. I, I need to interact with these folk. How do I yeah. do it? 
Also, Nick Nick Patrick cut the mullet, and I was very upset by it. Oh, he was wearing cool feelers, though. They zoomed. He was in still on wearing his cool basketball shoes, so I'll pay him that much. Nick Patrick looked like he was getting ready for a date with someone that he's been set up on and wanted to make a good impression. That's that's what. That's what <laughs> Maybe Nick Patrick was going on a dad date with Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Chavo Guerrero, so Bukia gets the win here. What do we think of the little post-match shenanigans? Because Chavo Guerrero. I love how WCW tried to do subtle acting because it's it's kind of like, you know, like, I think Chavo's happy about this. <laughs> and it's like the camera is dead set on Chavo. And it's almost like someone says to him, smirk, smirk. Because mm. it, it just looked so unnatural. But yeah, there's a post-match Eddie beatdown on Chavo Guerrero, which was the style at the time, Owen. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it, as an opener, like, y- you think that, yeah, uncensored. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I won't believe uh, what everyone's been saying because this is a pretty a pretty good match to start us off. Yeah, but then to take it right down back to reality, Conan walks out. The second he walked out, I'm like, this isn't going to be good. Conan yep. is the WCW equivalent of the Sunny rule for the WWE. When Sunny comes out to ring announce a match, it's going to suck. When Conan walks out to wrestle, it's going to be a Conan match. My first note about this match is Conan looks more and more like George Costanza with every <laughs> passing match. See, my first note is it's always depressing when the NWA music hits, then Conan walks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, it seems to be like the, the, the theme of the show so far because I've written down Conan's acting like a drunk uncle beating a younger relative uh, the way that he's hassling around Hubertude Guerrero because he just... What is with Conan? Slacks his attire. It just looks like it's awful, awful presentation. But um, yeah, what, what do we think of this one? What can we think of this one? It was Conan. Like yeah. he, there were a couple of moments at the start. I was like, oh, this is fast paced for a Conan match. But after about two minutes, they went on the outside. They did a nice spot with the steps and Hoovy jumped off. After they got back in the ring, this match just died. The crowd couldn't care less. They're in Mobile, Alabama, and Mobile, Alabama does not care about two luchadors. And can we talk about Conan's submission moves that he keeps doing? None of these moves look like Mm -hmm. they hurt. They look like weird dance moves, like where he swings Hoovy between his legs. And I don't know. There's a Boston crab that he does where he just looks like he's, you know, doing a pre, pre-football pre warm-up uh, <laughs> stretch. Like, it's the most... He just looks... Conan just looks completely disinterested in this entire match. He does... And because he's a kind of stocky dude, it, I don't know what it is. It just, he just almost wrestles in slow motion a little bit. Yeah. And because he... And, and also because... um. Conan is a very stocky dude. When he did that rest hold on Hoovy, he had him in like a weird Boston crab and then just collapsed and Hoovy's mm. neck snapped in half yeah. was the most, was so, was terrifying. Yeah. But he, uh, but like I said, didn't that Boston crab look, it didn't even look like he's trying to put, it just sort of looked like he's like, how's this feel? Good. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's you know like I mean? Conan doesn't realize that he doesn't have a mask on and he just has no <laughs> facial expressions. Like, you know, we can see your face, right? Put some effort in. <laughs> Can we talk uh, about look- the ending though? So the ending, Hoovy wins with a roll-up, and that's the only thing the crowd pop for. But then they do an NWO style beat down where Conan has to get some heat back. He gets I don't the only way I could describe this, he gets Hoovy by the waist 
charges the ring ropes and throws him out of the ring dirty dancing style. So yeah. picture yeah. Patrick Swayze picking up Doing whatever her name is. Yeah, he lifts her up, runs <laughs> with her, and gives Hoovy the time of his life. That was the only good thing in the match. It's not even, isn't it the, um, it's the backslide that gets the win, isn't it? Well, it wasn't, yeah, a sneaky backslide. And it was just like, it just felt yeah. like a relief. Like, please take this one away from us. I, I can't even uh, read what I've written down. It's got Conan with the post-match beatdown. Does the will trade? Oh, I have no idea what's going on. Oh, here it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thrill Cruiser. Does the wall dart, the trademark WCW wall dart, <laughs> d- cruiserweight out the ring thing? But uh, yeah, it's it's after a really hot match to sort of get everyone started. I think it's just one of those ones too where like Hoovy, to his credit, does actually try a fair bit. Like he's busting out 450s. He's doing all these great moves. He's just unfortunately got like literally a sack of potatoes in an NWO tank top. <laughs> the, the, uh, one to cool th- the one cool thing that happened with Conan was a reversal of his spider suplex. Hmm. That was the only cool thing that happened was when he did the spider suplex and Hoovy front flipped out of it. That and was it. He kicked him straight in the face. Oh, he kicked him. <laughs> he kicked his teeth into the, into, into the next city of Alabama. That would go on. It's 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 um look it 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 killed the momentum. We'll put it that way. That's the best way I can put it nicely. Uh, we get yeah. to another a little uh, segment where Mean Gene hasn't been doing any um, hotline plugs, which I thought was interesting. Do you reckon we're at the era where they actually were editing WCW pay per view, Simon? I don't know because we- they, they staggered. Um, like when they first started putting stuff on the network, they were taking time to edit stuff. Remember. Yeah, you're right. Near the near the start, when not every episode or pay per view was on there. But mm, when mm. did the hotline end? Is the hotline over by this point? No, the hotline kept going, didn't it? That was through till WCW's end. But um, uh, look, there there wasn't a Mean Gene hotline plug, but he was out there with uh, JJ Dillon, and the mm. power bomb is banned, but the giant wants it reinstated and made legal. Bec- and my favorite line of this is JJ Dillon's like, "Well, because it's uncensored." I guess we'll make it legal. It's kind of like, <laughs> like you feel like anything could, like within the four walls of in, in Mobile, Alabama, and that arena where it is, it's just like you know, what do you, how do you feel about attempted murder? Well, you know, it is, <laughs> it is uncensored. I guess we better allow it. Like it's strange, and I, we should probably give a bit of backstory here. Owen. so you remember in the last pay per view where he got dropped on his neck. Yeah. Uh, by Kevin Nash. So then they were really pushing how dangerous the power bomb is, blah, blah, blah. And it was a banned move. Like that was the whole thing during throughout Nitro. But don't you find that like the way that they sell the power bomb is if it's, you know, like like just a regular old pile driver is pretty over the top. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, I didn't quite understand that whole, that whole, like that whole segment was really weird anyway. And like, <laughs> I, I think I'm like you, Simon, but like back like 10 year old Simon, JJ Dillon sucks. Oh, yeah. so boring. <laughs> He's the worst. Yeah, Just when he shows up. Dead like, awful. Yeah. Might be one. You know what? If we were ranking the worst authority figures ever in wrestling, JJ Dillon is up there. Well, did oh. you see the, the video got doing the rounds on Twitter this morning of um Kevin Sullivan and JJ Dillon on uh, Steve Harvey's show? Because oh like, the whole, God. like, when the, Steve Harvey does, like, the whole Judge Judy thing. No, and uh, JJ Dillon and, and uh, Kev- JJ Dillon's trying to get seven and a half thousand dollars out of uh, Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> what? He, what? Unpaid booking? <laughs> unpaid no, because booking. he lent it to him to buy a boat. Oh my, oh god. my god! 
Did they just Question. make up a story to work Steve Harvey and get on TV? I think that I reckon that I reckon they fully did it. Really? Probably they did. Fully awesome. worked Steve Harvey. That's good. It's hilarious. I've I've written down something if, here. If that's the most enjoyable thing I got out of watching that JJ Dillon segment. <laughs> I the other note that I've written down here, and I, I can't even remember it, so I'm glad that I wrote it down. I've just gone, what's with the weird mention of St. Patrick's Day? Was there a St. Patrick's Day mention that I subconsciously went through and I can't remember. Well, I suppose- yeah, but St. Patrick's Day was like, oh, it was the day before. Okay, so that's probably why they threw, they threw Oh, no, that- no, actually, no, it would have been two days after. It was the 15th. Yeah, Who no, knows? I don't know. That's Who weird. Who knows? It's such an odd little here and here in WCW. Know, but- I throw the next night, which is a day closer. Who knows? It, Who it's- knows? The the decision making at the moment because like they you can tell they're really in backpedal mode here but uh, look let's get let's get to a highlight here because Dean Malenko takes on Chris Jericho I popped immediately when I first saw the Dean fierce smiling sign Uh, it's just top shelf because (laughs) Dean Malenko the Ice Man also nice to see Jericho with the one thousand and four holes on his tights this is his uh, WCW NWO revenge um, attire (laughs) here but um I was actually. this was the blow off of the. I'm assuming this was the blow off of like of the list feud. Yeah. No, no. This is one of the chapters in it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think we've mentioned to you what happens, but I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from saying what happens. But Slamboree 1998. All I can say is you're gonna enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Okay. You will enjoy it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, what do, what do we think of this match? Because I thought it was really really good. Um, this is it's peak yeah. Jericho and his heel work. Malenko is like. I know someone and I've been saying this for the past two years, but he it's it's understated how over he is uh, in WCW in this era. But um, we'll start off with you, On. What did you think of this one? I loved this match. Um, one of my main notes is that it's very it's a very different cruiser slash Jericho match from what I've seen since watching the WCW shows with you guys. Because um, I, I, he, he, he reverted to wrestling a Dean Malenko style match, and I mm-hmm. thought that was really, really cool. Um, also, did you guys notice Jericho's facial hair? How he did the Lemmy before Triple H did? Mm. Yep. Yeah. He had it. He did it first. Yeah, he did it first. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of, a, a lot of my matches, uh, sorry, a lot of my, 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 um, my notes are towards the end of the match because that middle section was so good. I didn't want to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and like, I've just like, <laughs> like, it's sort of like, I start off with a couple of notes and then the next thing is just like. How good's the lion tamer? <laughs> like, oh yeah. Well, like there's like I've got this is a very different like like match like that line, and then all of a sudden my next note is um so Charles Robbins two count, which was like the la it was it was the last pin attempt from Malenko. It was one, two, and then Jericho kicks out and pushes robinson's hand away for the three count i've never seen that done before and i feel like people need to do it more often because it is such an awesome thing that i've never seen in wrestling it's quite cool and uh, like this is one of those really annoying things too simon especially when you look back in hindsight like because when you think about it wcw's undercard was great it it was so good there have so much potential for breakout stars like Malenko is doing his absolute best to elevate Jericho. Jericho is matching his level here. And it, it almost seems in hindsight what a waste it was. Well, that's kind of all. That was, you know, the narrative on WCW for a few years there. And that's why WWE won the war or whatever. Let's not count Conan and Hoovy, but let's go back to Eddie Guerrero and Booker T. Between Eddie Guerrero, Booker T and Chris Jericho, 
All three of them were seen as future stars in WCW, but all three of them went to WWE and became world champions, Mm -hmm. all of famous and legends because of their runs there, not here. So yes, WCW had the talent. They just never capitalized on it or didn't want to because of who they had in the main events. And Jericho here, this is a breakout performance. Like he's really coming into his own. I thought the match was good, but taken on its own, it felt like the finish came out of nowhere, but it Mm -hmm. all makes sense because of where they're going. So I was trying not to think about that, but yeah, really good. Nothing you can really take away from this match. And then the post-match though is almost its own separate story. I was I was waiting to to get the post match because so mean Gene he comes out, goes splits his straight past Jericho, gets into the ring to talk to Dean Malenko, and I can tell you what talk like mean Gene is not a good friend. That's all I'm going to put out. <laughs> you you hate to like could you imagine like after like let's just say you were playing footy or something and you've you've just had a very close loss and you're out on the field and all of a sudden you see mean Gene Oakland walk out together. You're happy with yourself? What do you call this performance? We expect you to like he just berates. Dean Malenko, like, what was, what do you reckon he was, he didn't intend, like, in his mind, he's like, I'd, I'd love to show that he was the favorite, but it just came out wrong. It was really weird because why would Mean Gene have a favorite? And he was like, We all thought you were going to win. Why didn't you win, you idiot? Although yeah. there was one line in there that kind of maybe this is the deep character work Mean Gene was trying to do. He mentioned how even Vegas had you as the favorite. So I think Mean Gene in in storyline had a gambling problem and he put all his money on uh, Malenko and And he was so angry that Malenko cost him a, a big win. And also he's angry because he because all the money he actually used was from the now defunct WCW. <laughs> exactly. like, yeah. yeah. The hotline went the- out of business and he went into deep gambling and now he's blown it all. Yeah. My f- when, my the f- minute he sees him sort of tap out, you see him rip up the ticket stuff in the back. <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> My see, my favorite line for that promo was when Gene goes to Malenko, you are a bona fide loser. loser. Yeah. Bona fide loser. That, I wrote that too. It was good. Uh, and then, and then the, the best part is, what's next for you, Dean Malenko? He's like, going home. Yeah, and no, then, no, no. It, it was great. He says, "Where does Dean Malenko go from here?" And Dean just home, says, home. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was nice. And then the 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 the, 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 the ice got the cake of that is then Gene all of a sudden like looking so shocked, like you know, it's like of course <laughs> he's gonna, he, of course he's going home, mate. You've just spent about. Five minutes berating him, yeah. calling him a loser, like saying that like, Vegas had it. <laughs> where is this man going? Where are you going? It's like he just crashed him. It's like you get back in the ring here and let me berate you for another ten minutes. <laughs> Although I want to say shout out to Charles Robinson for being as tanned as Malenko and Jericho for this match. They all looked great. Oh, dude, he's a pro. Let's face it, Charles Robinson, even back then, pre Little Nate. Because remember, like, oh, and yeah, he's pre. Little nature. He's become little. He's just actually proper referee. So we're gonna have some fun when he gets into little nature's uh, territory. But uh, we get on to our actually, next quick, little- quick one. Just as you mentioned, where is Ric Flair in real? Like in this show in 1998? Oh, we know Ric Flair is cancelled. We don't care about Ric Flair in 2022. <laughs> but Ric Flair in 1998 was he injured? Was he surgery? No, no. Was he's he- he's in the he's in the midst of a law a bitter legal stout. With um with WCW at the moment, oh, and yeah. they do a bit of a tease on the WWE pay per view that there is a man who's in a limousine outside the arena. 
there was legit talk that Ric Flair was just going to jump ship in mm. 98. What yeah, was, it was illegal? A big deal. Was just over pay or what was it? I think Respect, this is where, think yeah, he wanted to go to one of his son's wrestling uh, events and Eric Bischoff said no and Flair said, well, you can take this job and shove it. I don't know. All yeah. the, the, it all pays off in the end because you get the, there is a weird bit where it's, it's almost like part two. So back in 91, when Flair originally left, the fans revolted and they started doing we want flair we want flair chants in fact i think it's um is it starcade 91 where the main event is just ruined because the entire crowd keeps chanting we want flair we want flair mm-hmm. um so this this leads to when rick flair eventually comes back it leads to that infamous promo where he goes fire me i'm already fired fire me i'm already fired um, let's quickly get to the uh, the WCW.com spot with Mark Madden and Lee Marshall. They interview Raven. That's pretty much all we have to say about it with uh, Mark Madden and Tony the Tiger. Unless Mark, you guys have anything to add to it. Mark Madden is wearing a leather jacket like he's cosplaying Raven. That's all I have <laughs> to say. I thought that was weird. All I have to say is this is a very inside baseball thing as it happened in the group chat between the three of us, was that when I was in Geelong the other week, I saw a Tony the Tiger pop. Um, pop vinyl, <laughs> and I sent the photo to Nimson Simon going, Hey, look, it's a it's a Lee, Lee Marshall pop, <laughs> Lee Marshall, Lee Marshall action figure, and it got a good pop, and that's all I cared about. Should have bought it uh, <laughs> and put a big moustache on it. Yeah. <laughs> let's quickly run through the next match because it's a bit of a, it's a quick one here. It's Scott Steiner's first appearance, uh, in the end as the NWO as he faces Lex Luger. Can, can I, I got, say it? Can, can I yep. say it? Yeah, he's there. Is he there? He's there. He's, he's pretty much there. I've he's written there. The, next, the next note I've written is this is the final form of Scott Steiner. He he's is there. big Papa Pump. No, I'm going to argue that he's not. Oh. I'm going to call it a 99 percent because he's what, still wearing. Mail? He's still wearing the singlet, so he hasn't gone to the shorts yet, and he's not called Big Papa Pump yet. He's not even superstar Scott Steiner because he he he. There's we're almost there. Yeah, ninety nine percent. As 99. soon as I saw the bleached hair, all I cared. I'd argue, I'd argue against that, but uh, but we'll run that. That's, that's, <laughs> that could be an entire different podcast. He's not quite big, bad, booty daddy, big Papa Pump, oh, but he's definitely. definitely big. Yeah, um, but yeah, Luger is. Is it just me? Or does it seem like Lex Luger's going through the best off here at the moment? Like he's just really put in autopilot mode. <laughs> Luger was a weird one on his entrance. He got the big pop as usual. And we've made note over the years how Lex Luger gives the most half-assed high fives to the crowd you've ever seen. But while I was writing that note, he then went to the extra effort to go around the whole ringside area and give everyone a high five. It's like, do you want to touch them or not, Lex? I don't know. What he was doing was he was still doing half-assed high fives, but because he went around to everybody, in theory, that's maximum velocity. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's what it was. He he half-assed it for everyone, so it evened out. Yeah, but once you add it all together, like the velocity of that high five is like maximum velocity. That's true, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, so like I said, we're, we're literally getting Lex Luger on autopilot, you know, the running forearms, the chicken dance, oh. and then a really, really crappy reverse torture rack, and which also leads to a, a Scott Steiner, get out of my way, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is great to sort of see. Um, then Rick Steiner comes out, and I've written down, Rick Steiner comes out dressed like he's cleaning the shed. 
<laughs> See, my one is Rick Steiner looks like he's just gone to the shops to pick up supplies for baby Bron Breaker because Bron Breaker would have been about six and a half months old at this stage. Oh wow! He's gonna get he's gonna get some nappies and baby formula, and then they've gone. Hey Rick, we need you at the arena. Can you get here in five minutes? He's locked like, up in his big in his big like gym rag and some footy shorts, and he's just gone in there to go woo woo woo, then walk away. <laughs> I will say, look, this match is only three minutes long, and there's it's barely anything to it. Garbage. The crowd is hot for everything, and they <laughs> love Rick Steiner coming out at the end. The face off between Scott and Rick. So we should say that Lex Luger wins this in three minutes with a forearm to the back of the head. It's the worst finish ever. But the Mm. crowd is totally into it. See, on paper, I mean, kind of in theory as well, but on paper, you know, last month it was, um, you know, the really awesome, like the really awesome heel turn. It was a great heel turn. turn. Great heel turn. It's the man's family. The NWO got to with a family. And then you see on paper, like, Lex Luger beats Scott Steiner post the heel turn in three and a half minutes. It's like, well, that's just, you just buried Scott Steiner. Yeah. And I mean, in reality, it kind of has as well. Like, you know, yes, it was like an interference, but what the interference was, oh, look, my brother showed up. Oh, look, forearm to the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it kind of wasted a, that wasted that heel turn completely. Yeah. And the heel turn was so good. Yeah, it's uh, oh look, and then if if the mediocrity doesn't continue, oh look, here's Scott Norton, yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. Scott Steiner, we talk about him getting a big push. He didn't get the big push until there was uh, management changes too. He was another and guy. no one else, and yeah. no one else left. He was, he was literally a, the last one. He was really a guy who, if things stayed the way they were, he probably would have got jammed at a certain point too, and would have jumped ship. So. I am. You're pretty spot on there, but look, a very, uh, it's a very meh. Um, it's it, there's nothing. There's no real sort of glimmers of hope in this pay view. And you're right, Owen. At this point in time, the NWO music when you hear it at an entrance just triggers you. Like, oh man. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next cab off the rank is a Jeopardy match. Now, this is basically just a triple threat match with falls count anywhere. It's um, Chris Benoit versus Raven versus DDP. Now, straight off the bat, this was a weird combination of people to put in the ring. This is just literally like someone's hit um, the random button on WCW NWO Revenge. But all I can mention is DDP, hella over, like mega over. This guy is, he's definitely on the, he's main event level, full stop. Yeah, I love this match. This was my match of the night. Um, They've been interacting for a little bit. These guys are another another example of the solid mid-card of WCW, but for, you know, two out of the three guys, they wouldn't really get past a certain level. I thought this was good. One of the early triple threat matches in mainstream wrestling, mm-hmm. and they went out of their way to try and make it feel unique. It started off with a triple collar and elbow tie-up, and there were a lot of like they, they didn't they didn't go into the formula of okay one guy roll out of the ring so the other can wrestle for a bit they tried getting over the gimmick of like ooh, and now a triple arm lock and a triple this and it was fun my favorite line at the very start is tony shivani saying i haven't seen three men hook up at the same time before <laughs> Oh, okay. He ain't going to the right clubs. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, but um, but yeah, like you mentioned, yeah, it it really was 
it's almost like you know in like the first hell in a cell match they really emphasize the cell like people like you know they start shaking the cage and stuff like like oh my god this is a cage like the first half of this match really does seem like there's three of us we better use all three of us but it is it is a very cool little formula maybe because we've seen so many triple threat matches that have formed a formula this one seemed really fresh and oh and what did you think of this one because this would probably be a rather unique one when you sort of see the the participants it was unique and it was a very unique unique way of explaining the rules of the match all three men will compete at the same time yeah <laughs> kind of what happens in the three way isn't it um i found that very funny but no it was good they, they were caught they were beating the ever-loving crap out of each other though mm. like when ddp got foot put through the light boxes yeah like yeah. he Got absolutely like DDP copped an absolute rough end of this one, and like, no wonder good, his ribs were cooked. That's a good thing to mention too. They did a lot of brawling uh, up near the stage because this wasn't just triple threat and no disqualification. It was false count anywhere. False count anywhere. Yeah. So at one point there was a bin on um whose head was the bin on Raven, and then I thought DDP took the bin. DDP, shot. I think DDP had the bin and yeah. Raven and uh, Benoit had crutches. But anyway, yeah, and they were like hitting the bin on the guy and the crowd was loving it. And at one point, yeah. Chris Benoit literally got a kitchen sink for some reason. And <laughs> the match was very silly. Yeah, and what? Bobby Heenan had like bloody call of the night when he said that <laughs> the kitchen sink was the Giants cufflinks. That was great because he <laughs> popped Tony and even Tony yeah. couldn't be a wet blanket on that one and he had to laugh. Popped me so good. I I laughed so so much at that. Also, um, the Irish whip into the chair into like that was like stuck in the ropes was brutal, mm. and Raven sold the crap out of it. Um, but my friends, do you want to learn some things? I know we talk about wrestling a lot. We learn about. Do you want to learn something about English in English literature? Oh yeah. I, I have a doozy for you guys. So we don't. We, we all know that Raven likes to like, always wore band shirts. Yeah, yeah. Always wore band shirt. Now Raven was wearing a Nevermore short shirt. Who I had to do a bit of dig- digging. They were formed in 1991, so it was all good. We we're in the clear. Now Raven, I have here. Raven is wearing a, a shirt of the band Nevermore. In Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, the character, the word, the character, the Raven uses consistently is yeah. Nevermore. Yeah, quote the Raven, Nevermore, which was exactly. made famous, made famous with our generation by that episode of The Simpsons, Simon, with yeah. Bart as the Raven, yeah, the which used to be on all the time. Oh, it's one of my favorite Simpsons episodes. But the fact that Raven is wearing a Nevermore shirt, I was like, this is sick. Although, what I thought you were gonna go deeper than that, though, because Raven misquotes it. He says, "Quote the Raven, Nevermore." It's actually written as "Quoth the Raven." Uh, yes, in in the poem true. so yes. yeah that was lost either lost in translation or raven didn't know that but yeah once you went real deep into that that's also where it goes but still yes. shout out to raven for wearing a nevermore shirt because it was a nice little touch and also because i found it even more more so was when i because i searched nevermore to find out when they were they when they formed Hmm. And the first, the first two things that pop up on Google when you search them more is the band, and then right next to it is like a Raven? listing of where to buy the book. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, no, not Raven. I was, I was like, damn it, that would be really cool. A middle-aged man with shitty eyebrow tattoos. <laughs> so another one. Uh, 
there is a when we talk about the weapons that are being used, there is a there's a there's a big placard like a sign that just says use this sign, and Raven goes and uses it, and it's actually a stop sign that's disguised in it. That stop sign is a staple of Aki N64 games. Like it's always used as a weapon, and it's because of this match. Like I thought that it, too. I always wondered yeah. why the stop sign was in the games, and then when I saw that spot in this match, I'm like, ah, there it is. Ah, there it is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really, I, I, I like the back end of this match too because all of a sudden Raven and Benoit start working together to take out DDP. It's almost like they figured, like, hang on a second. We need to take out DDP and then we can yeah. sort of go at it, which I thought was really smart. Although then DDP hits the move of the match. Benoit's halfway through doing the rolling Germans to Raven. DDP hooks them both from behind and hits the triple German suplex. Maybe the first time we've ever seen it. And the crowd loses their minds because it's 1998. And who even would have ever thought of that? Great yeah. spot. Awesome spot. And it was a really excellent finish too. So there's a 10 count punch. Uh, and DDP, so it's Benoit doing the 10-count punch onto Raven, who's up against the turnbuckle. DDP then gets rid of Benoit and does a diamond cutter. He sort of climbs to the top. So you think that he's going to be doing, you know, finishing off the 10 punch. But instead, he does a diamond cutter rather awkwardly. But come on, he's doing a diamond cutter off the top rope through a table, a brutal one. And then... Oh. It's crazy that, like the like. No wonder half of these dudes from that era can't walk. It's it's just mental what yeah. happens there. My my note for that was the cutter through the table was yucky, also mm. mainly because of the fact that the table didn't actually break and Raven took the ta- the edge of the table into the gut and yeah. that would have sucked. Yeah, and yeah, you know what? The table not breaking made this look even more painful. The fact yeah. that Raven kind of just had to flop over to get pinned by DDP. Yeah, he did Homer Simpson over the fire hydrant. <laughs> yeah, he was just <laughs> curved over it. Great match. Honestly, this was worth watching the pay-per-view for. Yeah, this match was grass. I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, much it, better what, it was much better than what was up next. Oh. Yeah. So a nice <laughs> little show of respect from Chris Benoit post-match as well. We again get back to the commentary team where they it, it really just kills all the momentum of the pay-per-view. It's like, you know, you're so hyped, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, let's just talk for a little bit, guys. Now let's, yeah, yeah. That, was a really, that hasn't really happened much before. I didn't like it. It, it, it's it's such a weird WCW thing that they sort of reset the shows, which, whereas, you know, we mentioned Simon all the time how the WWF sort of, just gradually build momentum. But um, yeah, we'll get to the next match, which is Nash versus the Giant. And I, my first note is I love how the Giant reverts back to 1995 Dungeon of Doom entrance once he leaves the NWO because it's just, a, it's just a, a snapshot back in time. Now, here's another WCW NWO revenge uh, little tidbit. This is Nash's primary attire in the game. The, Nash looks the bl- fantastic here. This is... <laughs> Real WCW Kevin Nash, he looked good. Yeah, <laughs> he had the blonde, the blonde highlights. He looked <laughs> awesome. Um, there first was... thing I've written. First thing I've written here is Hoss fight. Yes. Well, <laughs> see, I only have five notes for this match, and the main one is this match is just big boys doing absolutely nothing until the interference happens. See, I didn't mind it. I thought, oh, this is going somewhere. This could end up being good, but it was only the start of a match. It never yep. got out of the opening sequence. It never of the match. got out of the opener. Yeah. And then out of all people to interfere and ruin it, 
Nims, crush. we thought we were done with him. It was crush, and I was so angry. I've actually written that down. I, I've just got. I've, I've just said it. <laughs> I've just got giant goes for a jackknife until crush. That's right, crush comes out with a cartoony hit with a baseball bat, like he does the full. You know? <laughs> yeah, is that not the worst smacking over someone with a baseball bat? Like he's like, oh, behind you, real pantomime. Like my, 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 my note is Brian Adams doing dot 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 things. Mm. <laughs> he gets so much airtime on that. Like I swear to God, he he's in there. What seems to be like it's almost like he pauses before the bat comes down. It's very snidely whiplash. <laughs> it's so crazy, but yeah. And I just got oh. and then if just if that if Crush coming out to interfere and ruin the match doesn't make it bad enough, then out comes Scott Norton again. Like go away, Scott Norton. And then out comes Vincent and takes an absolute hell of a bump from the chokeslam. And I want to oh talk. My God. I want to talk about that. Vincent takes a great chokeslam. Most of the guys take good bumps. And then who comes out to take the absolute worst bump on the whole show? Conan. This is the giant. <laughs> the giant can literally, and even when he became the big show, could chokeslam literally anyone and hold him above his head. Conan gets one foot off the ground. He absolute sandbags poor old Big Show here and barely lifts a foot. It is pathetic. And the crowd, it even takes the energy out of the crowd because they're loving the NWO beatdown. And then when Conan does that, it's just a... Uh... Yeah, yeah. If I know we do an MVP at the end, but uh, if there it is... It ain't going to be worst, Conan. Yeah, if, if there's a, a worst possible least player... Least valuable is, player. Yeah, yeah, a least valuable player, it is definitely Conan for the LVP. It's the Tarzo watch. that you take out of the, pe- the chip packet, look at it and throw it in the bin. Yeah, yeah that one. <laughs> like, oh, oh, this another one Conan? Yeah. Uh, look, let's wash that awful uh, that awful match out with uh, Kurt Hennig versus... and Ooh. Sorry, Kurt Hennig and Rick Roog versus Bret Hart. Now, oh. we haven't... Oh. Uh, my personal favorite is Tony Schiavone basically sums everything up. We haven't seen wrestling. We've seen struggles. You're damn right, Tony. <laughs> It was a damn struggle to watch some wrestling. Talk about talk about shoot comments that aren't meant to be shoot comments like that. <laughs> um, um, did anyone else know? Is this a new theme for Bret Hart? I wanted I to ask it. you that. This was like a weird rave Alex Wright remix of Bret. I have no recollection of this one. This I've, song hmm. slaps. I <laughs> loved it. I actually think this is dubbed in. I think um, because okay. I'm I'm pretty sure on the uh, on the VHS of Slambury because I because I've got the VHS of, not Slambury of uh, of the pay for you that um he's still got his because he's only got two WCW themes it's just that one and the the more famous one that he uses when he becomes world champion but um mm. look that, that's neither here nor there I just reckon it was some generic stock music that they sort of chucked in because Jimmy Hart wrote that so maybe they didn't get the rights. Now, I would like to say, did you guys notice that when Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude walked out, how Rick how Hennig always does like the toss behind the back of the towel? Rick yeah. Rude was so surprised. He was like, oh shit. I didn't know you. Like he was he was like blown away by what just happened. I popped me so much. It, it was pretty funny how it's, it's just like it's like Rick. It's Mr. Perfect. <laughs> He's doing Mr. the Perfect. thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost like someone, it's like he was like, 
I've seen this somewhere before. I don't know where. It's, it's, it's like how Sting takes off the Sting mask to show Sting. Yeah, to show Sting. <laughs> you, know what, you know what? Speaking of, oh my God, it's Kurt Hennig. The fact that later on in the match, Bobby Heenan admits to knowing Kurt Hennig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, I've known this man for years. He finally admitted it. Mm. After the amount of times. And then lying that this is the best shape he's ever seen Kurt Hagen in his life. <laughs> really, Bobby? You sure really? about that one? You, did, you, did, you see, did you see him when you were matching him in 1992? <laughs> like... To me, that kind of sums up this match, though. It's because it's like, oh, look how good the wrestling is from the commentators. But it's like, come on, guys. If this is their third big match on a you know big-time pay-per-view, this is easily the worst by a mile, and it's not even close. And for some reason, Mobile, Alabama is having none of Bret Hart and the Kurt Hennig. The crowd is <laughs> dead. Yeah. They are so dead. They, all, they probably could... ruined it even worse. Like, yeah. What was the going crowd on? Is mine, so mine... Dead. Hmm. shoulder pads and Rick Rude's jacket crumple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my note is the crowd very much seems to be sitting on their hands, uh, but it's a very old school back and forth match. Like, um, Oh, the, yeah. Oh, and you've brought this up numerous times. No one takes a front corner turnbuckle bump like oh, Bret Hart does. He's the king. He's <laughs> the king. You, you got the king of you, you got the king of overselling versus the king of the front buckle bump. Like this match was always good. This this was always going to appeal to me. Mm. <laughs> like I actually really did like this match. Um, also, look, it's not SummerSlam 1991, but it's not a. Oh stinker. no, and yeah. it's not no, King it's... of the Ring 93 either. Like no. this is but the Matrix still... revolutions of the <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, it's still green, and they've got cool sunnies on, but it sucks, you know. <laughs> isn't it, isn't it insane though that in one year and one month's time, Rick Rude is dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that part... so wild to me. Especially considering the fact, like, you look how good, like, he's still in really, really good shape. Yeah, when he was still on those elbows and his forearms. Yeah, unfortunately. But even, like, when he was still on those elbows and forearms, he looked good. And apparently he was, like, working back to get back in the ring. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Yeah, we need to. Supposedly. I don't know if you remember this, Simon, um, but when Rick Rude passed away, did you find it, um, because I remember seeing the little tribute packages that unfortunately the WWE have become incredibly good at doing since obviously there's been that many wrestlers that have passed. But did you notice, I don't know if you can remember the video package that they used, they used only ravishing Rick Rude footage. Like there was nothing of him in in his managerial career. It was always ravishing footage. Well, what was there from his managing career in WWE though? It would have only been him in DX DX, for a couple of months. Maybe they didn't want to... They didn't want to make you think of him in the modern times. Make you think, yeah, oh, probably. He hasn't He's been here in a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Brett gets the win here. He actually, I should, sorry, I, I should um, point out that he actually kicks out of the perfect plex, uh, which is a pretty big deal. And that's the only time the crowd makes some sort of reaction, and it's not it's even a, a ripple. big one. Yeah, it's a ripple. It's like, oh. On Brett's comeback, they barely make a sound when he starts doing, you know, the the classic hitman comeback. It's a weird, yeah. really weird even vibe. The post-match, match. Even the post match beatdown doesn't really get much attention. Yeah. yeah, Kurt Hennig hits Brett with the absolute worst chair shot, though. Oh he my misses God. his head by a foot. And, and the thing the, is, and, that chair was so padded anyway. And the camera angle too. It's like 
It's the worst. They don't yeah. even cut. That's where Kevin Dunn, you need a Kevin Dunn jump cut. Not a, yeah. here's Brett's head, there's the mat, and here's Kurt g- smacking the mat, not even with any form of velocity. And but yeah. come on, after watching WrestleMania 14 and seeing the great one swing a chair <laughs> into Ken Shamrock's face. Can't, and then Ken Shamrock's face <laughs> flying all over TD Garden. Yeah, that's a chair shot. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Um, we'll get to our next match, which is um, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship match, Scott Hall versus Sting. Scott Hall is cashing in his World War Three victory. He was meant to do it at Super Bowl. And I like that they explained everything, why Scott Hall has got a title shot here. Also want to quickly point out, Sting absolutely looks fantastic in this match. Oh, I, I wrote the same thing. He actually looks like a wrestler now. Yeah, he's like, getting he, there. He looks jacked. He looks great. Like the gear is cool. Yeah, he looks good. He it's it's a fantastic match. I've put Sting dominates uh, Hall from the get go. Great shape. He's, he drop kicks Hall out of the ring. Hall gets the upper hand when Dusty because Dusty Rhodes is out here too. Also, I want to quickly mention to Mark Curtis, who's the referee. He is the referee in WCW NW Revenge, the little cartoon one in the corner. Mm-hmm. Which can, is a nice I also, touch. can I also just mention something just before the start of the, uh, the start of the match? Uh, you can absolutely tell that the WCW blew all their pyro budget on Lex Luger because those little farts that happened <laughs> when they, when Sting walked out were disgraceful for a world champion. Yeah, yeah, but I, I want to quickly make mention, like, because we we know we it's it's a good match. I quite like this match and I'm very biased because I love Scott Hall and this being a world championship, one of his only two world championship shops that he's had in his career. I got a very big fondness for this match, but compare a Scott Hall world title match with sting versus the two Hogan world title matches with sting. And tell me that Hall doesn't make sting look like a million bucks here and vice versa. That was my first note here. Hall selling for Sting to make him look strong, unlike Hogan. Hall goes into full cartoon mode. He's throwing his arms around. He's, you know, going over the ropes, making it out like Sting is, you know, Superman. Even though Scott Hall is bigger than Sting. Yeah. But he's treating Sting like he's the superhero. And yeah, Hall does a great job. Also, Scott Hall coming out with Dusty Rhodes here. He looked like he was having the time of his life. We mentioned earlier how his feud with Larry Zabisco, he kind of did it to pay back Larry for helping him out in the AWA. This is him paying respect to Dusty Rhodes, who sort of broke him into the business. So a great example, again, of Scott Hall, like just being pretty cool and like helping people who helped him and having fun in the process. And it's not like this is a squash for Sting because there are bits like when you see like um, Scott Hall, because Scott Hall does have a comeback thanks to Dusty Rhodes and he does dominate a little bit. There's a section where it's not all just the Sting show, but Sting's able to get get his second wind. He's able to sort of come back. It's a, it's a really well done match. And let's face it, everyone knew that Scott Hall wasn't going to win, but at the same time, it was a decent match. And oh, and you've seen much, much more like, you know, um, how to put it? Like you've seen big time matches. This didn't feel like a big time match, but it was a big time match. What did you think of like Hall's second world title shot in his career? They made it feel like a big match. Like mm. they made it. They, it really did grow. I think also because of the fact that like the the the, the wind was sucked out of the crowd early on. And I think mm. everyone was excited for the cage match. But we'll get to the crowd in that cage match. 
Um, they got the crowd back here for this match, though. They got the crowd yeah. back, though, 100%. Um, a couple of notes, like, you know, you you can't teach the style, and I'm not saying it because he's passed away recently. It's always been my thoughts. Yep. You can't teach the style, charisma, or anything that Scott Hall ever did. Like, yep. the little nuances that he did in his matches is why people are celebrating him the past week. Yeah. Like, little things is what you just can't teach. Like, you know, I've worked in wrestling for eight years this year. And like, hmm. there's things that some Australian guys do that nobody else does. You just can't teach. That's Scott Hall all the entire time. Like, you just can't teach some of the stuff that he does. Like, his ring positioning and just getting things over that really shouldn't get over as much as he makes them look. Like, it's just amazing. And, make, and making the other dude look like a million bucks. Like, that's the thing. Like, Sting looks the best that he's ever looked as a world champion in this match. Even when he's being beaten down. And like, yeah, well, I was going to say, the one thing that made me say that was in the heat when um, Hall was doing the corner-to-corner Irish whips where he'd whip him, but he'd hold on to Sting, run with him, and then do the short lariat. Mm -hmm. And then he did that two or three times. And like stuff like that, you just don't see anymore because everyone does like the big elongated whips and then they do the on the corner. But just that stuff like that makes it feel more real. Yeah. yeah, Scott Hall and had that, a unique style. He did a lot of moves, or the way he would do the moves. Nobody else does them like him. Everything no. becomes a signature move. But um, as I said, like I'm not like we're not we're not saying this stuff because he probably you know you go yeah. back and look at every show that we like <laughs> yeah. even before I joined the show like Hall, YouTube Hall and, is like, always the standout guy. The, yeah. He's like he's you know collectively like he's our favorite wrestler we've covered in any of these shows. Hmm. Like, but I must say though. My highlight of the match had nothing to do with Sting or Scott Hall. It was when Dusty, Dusty? Rhodes slinky slinky <laughs> into the ring and he pranced around. My literal quote is prancing around like a cartoon burglar. Popped yeah. me really good. Yeah. Sneaking yeah, around to hit the elbow drop. It was hilarious. He looked like, he looked like the he looked like the the, sh- the short fat guy out of the two out of the two burglars in one hundred and one Dalmatians. You really he, like, ne- tiptoe yeah. through the through All the hallways. All I could hear in my head is like, like, it's like, oh, that dastardly dusty roads. What's he up to now? Jeez. Um, but yeah, a fantastic. Uh, oh yeah, we should mention the finish to the outsider's edge is reversed into a scorpion death drop. Sting oh, gets the win. The death cell of the scorpion death drop. By the way, Hall didn't move for like two minutes. It was uh, sick. Yeah, it's- for an eight-minute match, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was sick. Really, really good stuff there. Sting gets the win. Looks like it actually looks like a dominant world champion. Scott Hall yep. plays it to perfection. And it's funny too, while we're while we're celebrating Scott Hall, if you go back and watch WrestleMania 18, the match that he has against Austin, I know that um I know both he and Austin have gone on record saying that they wish that they could have had a better match, but I still reckon that's a pretty underrated sleeper one if you ever go check it out. Um, there's a quick spring stampede commercial, which is Really tame by WCW standards. They're normally pretty out there and whatnot, but yeah. Well, they have a bull and Goldberg, and they try and compare one to the other. And then the yeah. tagline for Spring Stampede is uh, no bull or something. Terrible. Yeah. Now, all I expect is that the main event of next month is Goldberg versus the bull. And I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. ex- and yeah. I'm going to be really shitty when it isn't. <laughs> well, well, that's where, that's where you let down on. Cause they even say no bull in case people make that, uh, <sighs> make that assumption. 
just ridiculous. Because clearly false, everyone's false everyone's hope. at home like everyone's at home they're turning their like, I reckon I reckon the bulls got Goldberg there. What do you reckon? <laughs> do you, like, do oh, you there's guys no want ball. To, uh, I was gonna say, did you guys want to pitch in a hundred dollars for the pay-per-view fan? <laughs> no ball, but plenty of shit. So you know yeah. <laughs> WCW at this point. Now here we are, the main event. Michael Buffer does his usual intro. And do you hear that little? Was there an audio glitch there where the commentator's mics were left on? Because you hear Brain go, Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I noticed that. The other thing I noticed with the audio here, there was epic music playing during Buffer's uh, speech. That's new, isn't it? They that is new. Yeah. yeah. We haven't I had that one liked before. It. Added um, some oomph. Now, as, as I uh, mentioned, this is the first NWO versus NWO event. I'm still convinced that Michael Buffer is paid per word because during the entrances, he just sort of, you know, absolutely goes into full hand mode. I think there's a bit where he refers to like Macho Man Randy Savage, like the Slim Jim superstar. Like, did you really need to mention the Slim Jim yeah. thing? Did you, did you want a crate of it sent around to your house? He calls but, him um, this Slim Jim spokesperson. Person, like, that's it. like it would be another Jim, the Slim Jim spokesperson in the match. <laughs> but yeah, just got to get that plug in. Pretty crazy. But uh, look, it's a cage match. And my first note is even in the cage, the Hulk Hogan main event formula is in full effect. And I, I must is, say, it's not a good match. It's not a good no, match. No, no. I, I must say, at least they invested in a proper cage, but it looked small. This looks small, smaller than mm. a, like a normal. I'm not saying because AEW's cage is ginormous. Yeah. Like, like, like Hulk Hogan was standing there, and like his head was like almost clearing the top of the cage. Yeah. Well, remember there was the insane one we saw Savage jump off a few months ago with Hogan and nah. Piper. Where it was look looked like he was floating through the air, so I don't think he wanted to do that again. Uh, yeah, tiny cage, terrible match. Awful this match. match was god awful. Like they they just kept building to nothing. Mm. Yeah, it was it was it was nine and a half minutes of build and then three minutes of bullshit. Yeah, it was. This is not a good match at all. Um, there's a weight belt beat down by both. It's it's. The match is in slow motion. I've, I've yep. written down the match is in slow motion. Hogan gets busted. Macho does too. The latter half of the match is just awful. And Savage once again decides to just absolutely decimate his knees by doing moves off the off the oh top of the cage. The, the only exciting thing in this match was the fact that the starter and the lights weren't on. Yeah. <laughs> See, is this when WCW started heading downhill because the lights weren't switched on for the, for the start of the main event between the two biggest names ever in professional wrestling? Well, yeah, Even, g- yeah. going back to the well here, because we saw these guys wrestle uh, at Halloween Havoc 96, and I defended that match, and I still will. That one's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Hulk Hogan's wearing a wig and they play with the wig and there's a lot of fun shenanigans and it's the fun version of the Hogan formula. Two years later, the bloom is off the rose. It's like, we can't do this anymore. And this was not good. Nothing happens. They both bleed, but nobody cares. It's, it's just awful. Just an absolutely awesome thing. And another one too, that, that I point out this also is the debut. Is it the debut of Brutus Beefcake? The pay per view debut. Pay per view debut, yeah. Because they still that he's not named as the disciple. It's just known as that dude that that's followed. 
and which is a fairly accurate representation of what Brutus Beefcake is. The, that guy that just follows Hulk Hogan around. So Brutus Beefcake, as the disciple, runs out to help Hogan. Sting comes down from the rafters and Macho does his sort of little like, thanks, buddy. Cheers. And they sort of have a, they tease like a little um, alliance between Macho and Sting. Sting then decks, um, sorry, Macho then decks Sting, spits on Hulk Hogan and then leaves. So my next note is, does that mean that Macho wins? Because because the first person to, to exit the cage or get a pinfall wins, right? Was it exit? I thought WCW never had the exit rule. That okay. was a strictly no, they a WWE thing. Yeah, they didn't because last time Piper and Hogan did laps, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, they, they just oh, walked out. Yeah, like it, it makes no. It, it actually really pissed me off. I'm like, yeah. what's the point of keeping in the cage? And we just going to willy nilly walk in and out like like you got the stamp on your wrist at the at the corner hotel to go to the Smokers Lounge. <laughs> Yeah, another thing. Who even won we, this match then? Nobody. No one did. I don't think anyone did. And, and the worst part too is, you know, in all four of them in the ring, I said that the back end of this match is in slow motion. It's on pause when all four of them are just standing here to the point where Mike Tanay has to fill in the awkward silence by going, what a stare down between these four. <laughs> yeah. Also, I must say, did anyone else fear for their lives when Sting kind of like fell and then stopped? And land on the... Oh yeah, and fella. Then he almost nuts himself on the cage. <sighs> like, oh my god! It's like, everything, what is going on here? Everything that went wrong in this match went wrong, and even more so. Mm. It did, and they and like so they find the WCW also finally stopped putting credits on. Uh, actually, no, I think they still do credits because I'm sure. Well, like uh, they didn't have credits at the end of this month. Oh no, this could be the where they stopped doing credits, but they ran out of time. Yeah, it could have been <laughs> oh. a timing issue. Awful, awful match. Like, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, I, I feel like we've said it all. Like, there's not, I don't there wasn't like any, hmm. there wasn't any wrestling. Like, nothing happened. As I said, they, they built to nothing. The only thing that remotely popped me was the fact that Macho swang for the fences with those belt shots. <laughs> like, he was really laying those in. And that was about it. Put it, yeah, put it like this the, way, it, on the other channel at WrestleMania 14, we've seen Steve Austin become world champion. So the company is saying, we're going in a new direction. This young guy is the future. On this pay-per-view, we see Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage wrestle with no ending, and their big surprise is, oh my God, it's Brutus Beefcake. It's over. Yeah. You know, that's I, it. The only positive to come out of this was the fact that I'm going to try and track down one of those NWO ringer shirts that Elizabeth was wearing because that was yeah cool. I was I was thinking the same thing too. Like, I want one a, of those ringer shirts, a reverse ringer shirt because it's because it's a black NWO show with, with where would normally so the the blacks white and the whites black. That's the best way yes. I can sort of put it. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Butch Grouse, and I want one. Yeah, so there's not really much else to write home about that. But so let's no. let's let's because literally, even if you want to do play by play, Hogan walks around. Hits Savage. Savage sells. <laughs> Savage then hits Hogan. Hogan takes off belt. Hogan hits like what? <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's basically it. <laughs> what sums this match up is that Tony Schiavone goes literally goes, "We're out of time. Goodbye." And We're then the, it, cuts, it, it cuts to the title slate. <laughs> and that's what a, it. What a change in Tony from the start of the show. Who at the start he said, "Tonight will bring you some of the most anticipated wrestling matches." in the history history of our sport 
we're in full BS lying Tony Schiavone mode here. Like, don't say that. <laughs> this, yeah. No one was anticipating this. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a strange one. But yeah, let's put a bow on this pay-per-view because it's not a good one, especially when you compare it to WrestleMania 14. But uh, let, let's, let's, let's go through the highlights here, shall we? We always like to leave with, a, with an MVP. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it's um, flavor of the month at the moment due to his recent passing, but I've got to say, Scott Hall absolutely sells purely because I know like you could argue Eddie Guerrero and Booker T had a much better match. And I fully agree with you there. You could argue the DDP Benoit and, um, Raven. Uh, and Raven had, had a fantastic match. Same deal with Jericho and Malenko, all three. If you wanted to put that out, the only reason I'm putting Scott Hall in there is because this is the first time that throughout Sting's entire reign where he looks like a dominant champion. Mm-hmm. He it's Scott Hall is the only dude so far in this entire Sting versus NWO feud that has made Sting look like a threat. And it's pretty sad when when we when we're two years into NWO versus WCW that this is where the first time WCW looks dominant. Yeah, because it should have been Hogan doing it, but he didn't. So Hall had to do the dirty work. I can yeah. see that. To me, it's a toss-up. Scott Hall was awesome, but I'm gonna say DDP. For another mm-hmm. star making performance and just killing yeah. it in a match that really no one would think, oh, I wonder if DDP is good at these kind of ECW style hardcore things. He's good at everything so far. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, You know what? I'm going to agree with Simon. Like Scott Hall, I agree with you, Nibs, with everything he did. But yeah, DDP was fire. Mm-hmm. Like the way, the way he literally dragged himself to the ring after he got put through the stage, like, <laughs> It, he sold everything like a million bucks. He looked amazing. Um, he, yeah, every spot he did was with like you know conviction. DDP was DDP was MVP for me. Yeah, yeah, very, 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 very cool. Um, DDP, as you said, it's just he. This is the reason why he is the people's champ at WCW. But yeah, uh, a sad, sour end to a rather lackluster pay per view because that main event was just. Garbage, absolutely garbage. But uh, hey, look, we've got plenty to look forward to next time around. Uh, it's Unforgiven in Your House is the next pay-per-view that we'll be covering. Uh, Dude Love taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's another Undertaker versus Kane match. And I think if I recall correctly, there's a, is there a, a Nation versus Domination match uh, where Farouk's not in the Nation? Oh, it could be the Nation versus DX, some some configuration of that on this yeah, show. Like that. Hey, it's yeah, not well, just The Undertaker and Kane, though. This is the first ever Inferno match. So oh, yes. that's kind of cool. And also, this is the first of the series of two really underrated Mick Foley and Steve Austin matches where they kind of create the Attitude Era main event formula. This mm-hmm. is it with the brawling around and shenanigans and dodgy interference from the... Uh, I was about to say the authority, but it's not the authority. It's the corporation. The corporation. (laughs) Authority. So to give you just a quick little heads up on um, throughout this period, dude love sells out and he becomes a corporate shill. Yes. Yes. I do remember. Which is very, very cool. But yeah, that is, that is one thing that, um, that we will definitely be covering very shortly. Uh, Owen, you'll be joining us for spring stampede. Uh, I guess so. (laughs) <laughs> look look i said this last month and i'll say it again on paper good card mm. i'll tell you what some what, execution uh, probably not if i recall 
Um, I, I think it's only, it's, and if, if this works with your schedule on, because I know that you are a busy man now, if you do want to join us for Unforgiven 98, because hell, you've watched the rise of Stone Cold Lost and you deserve to see his first title defense. If you want to join us for the next episode, jump on board, brother. Oh, yeah. You know what? Sounds like fun. I'm in. Yeah. So we'll be covering uh, WWF Unforgiven 1998. We'll do that shortly here. But I've been Nimsy's all for Simon Tackler and Owen Jones. We have been reliving the war. We'll catch you next time. Remember, if you want to catch up on any of our previous episodes, check it out on greywolfentertainment.net or follow us on the socials, greywolfent. But we'll catch you next time for Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.